0: From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I'm Brad Robinson. Today, let's talk about trust, why anxiety sufferers have a strong lack of trust. They go out in public and they get anxious and they run away from those public situations. And then they feel like they are too weak and small and unhealthy to confront the world around them and to face these challenges. They start shrinking the world smaller and smaller and they become less in tune with themselves and they lack all this trust. And like my old self, I would project my pain and suffering onto the world. I would blame the world. I'd blame other people. I would say, I don't trust People, I don't trust women. I don't trust society. I don't trust anything. And really, the shift needed to take place internally. Now, if you're new to my channel, I am a CBT cognitive behavioral therapist coach who helps others overcome anxiety. Because I went through anxiety and then I started to learn and teach myself um, to be a coach after I overcame anxiety and climbed this mountain. And then I be- I became a NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming Master Practitioner. And now I help others. I have clients who I help overcome anxiety. Before we dive into this episode all about trust And how that relates to anxiety, I want to go over your comments on previous episodes, starting with Jake's Great. He leaves a comment on last week's episode saying, This episode is so valuable. I began to change some habits, and I already feel a shift in my anxiety. My sleep has also improved. Many thanks, Brad. Well, thank you, Jake, for the comment. Sammy G says, I got rid of my TV that was in the bedroom. Now he's talking about last week's episode about sleep anxiety at, anxiety at night. What a huge change, he says. Then no cell phones. I then found myself reading and listening to music instead. All it takes is self-discipline and life becomes better. We have to take care of ourselves absolutely self-improved goth says this helps a lot many thanks brad well i appreciate the comments i want to know if the podcast has been helping you so leave your comments if you have something to say about what i've mentioned in this episode leave your comments below you can also also ask me anything go to unpluganxiety.com and Ask me a question for a future Q&A episode. Now, let's talk about trust. Could you say that a lack of trust is because you have a poorly underdeveloped conscience? It could be. If we look at Pinocchio in the movie, Pinocchio starts off as a wooden puppet who doesn't know any better he doesn't know anything other than the confines of geppetto's house and we see the cricket who is pinocchio's conscience right the cricket is a bug and your conscience is something that bugs you right and so we see the cricket, as a tramp, we see him in messy clothes. We see him spouting ideological words that mean nothing and it's just nonsense. And it confuses Pinocchio even more when the cricket speaks. But as Pinocchio develops through the movie, as he steps outside into the real world, when he experiences malevolence when he experiences tyranny when he experiences chaos and and dread and when he starts to take on responsibility he develops but we see the cricket developing at the same time pinocchio does so what does this tell you that your conscience the inner voice the compass the inner moral compass for that to develop you have to step outside into what's unfamiliar into the unknown and that's where you develop your conscience will de- will develop but every your everything else your your toughness that's where it develops as well so the world is full of fears the world is full of the unknown And you haven't proven to yourself yet that you can bear its weight, that you can survive. I remember a long time ago, I told my parents that I don't trust anyone, even them. And they looked shocked. They looked, I was in the car and they looked in the backseat and they were like, What do you, you don't trust us, your own parents? And I felt like I was not sure what I was talking about. It was like the conscience. It was like the cricket spouting off words, not really understanding them. Just no filter, just spouting things. And I felt like I did that at that moment. But then I started to think, okay, why don't I trust them? And eventually, years later, after I overcame anxiety and improved myself and forged this new Brad, I look back and I think, wow, I didn't even trust myself. That's where it was coming from. I was projecting something internally out into the world. I was blaming others. You know, it wasn't them. It was me. I wasn't confident in myself. I was scared of the world. I was a very anxious guy. And it takes courage to trust other people. Why? Because you know that you're full of snakes. You're f- you have the capability of hurting other people. So you know that other people are full of those snakes as well. But you choose to trust them, even though you know that they could potentially betray you, lie to you, hurt you in some way. You choose to take that leap of faith. And that takes courage to trust people. And that wasn't going to happen for me until I built on my own self-respect first. Remember, you have to change what's internal before external experiences, situations change. My sense of what's right and wrong in the world was it wasn't existent. That moral compass was spinning all over the place. I was living a free and loose lifestyle on Pleasure Island up until my late 20s. Trusting yourself comes when you begin to push through the dome of what's familiar to you into the unknown to desensitize yourself from anxiety what do you do well you place yourself in the environment that induces panic and you stay there you have to show your unconscious systems that you won't die in this scenario Your anxiety response is running wild. The red light is flashing internally. But if you run, you only shrink your world smaller and smaller. You begin to fear those scenarios. The dragon grows. Health anxiety sufferers have... They, they have no trust in themselves. They see themselves as weak, hopeless, unhealthy, and trapped people. The fire is where you forge the sword. If you don't put the sword into intense heat, you can't forge the sword. The intense pain of withdrawal, the intense pain of new habits... Facing fear is what's necessary to develop and harden the mind. If you feel anxious being in a crowded place, buy tickets to a concert and go. When I was going to symphonies before COVID happened, with Maggie, I was feeling very anxious being in that concert hall sitting there feeling trapped uh, like there's no way out afraid of embarrassing myself if i got up to leave in front of other people who are trying to watch the symphony and so i stay there i forced myself to remain in that environment and my anxiety lessened and lessened the more times i placed myself there that's desensitization i'm starting to make associations that the environment no longer equals death, pain. That I can stay here and not die. So go to the mall and sit there for a period of time until your anxiety lessens from an 8, 9, 10 to a 4 and a 3. And then that's how you know the amygdala is getting the picture. And so for me, I wanted to show myself that I didn't need other people for reassurance or substances like caffeine, weed, porn, beer, junk food. I didn't need those things to, to comfort me. That I am more than those things. I wanted the discipline. I wanted to show to myself that I can be independent. And so I was so dependent that I obsessed about being independent. And so why do you want to overcome anxiety? Ask yourself that question. The reason why I wanted to overcome anxiety in the past was because I felt like I was a slave to all of these impulsive tendencies. I felt very dependent on the things around me. I wanted to free myself of this dependency. That was number one. And so what I decided to do was I decided to isolate myself through my recovery. And I'll describe that in more detail. The family and friends around me, they didn't know that change was possible for me. They helped comfort me when I was at my worst. But comfort only keeps you in one place. It only keeps you in what's familiar. But if what's familiar is still causing you pain, where do you go? outside of the dome of what's familiar. So as soon as I stepped outside of comfort, I was separating myself from others and focusing on my higher self. I became selfish in the healthier sense. I sacrificed my time with my partner and my family to learn about anxiety and and at the same time i was developing a more independent person when i was at the library learning about anxiety or at the coffee shop or in my room you know i was learning how to be comfort comfortable being alone i was learning how to be more independent that way so meditation reading watching and listening to my mentors, that was placed at the top of my values hierarchy. I wanted to show my unconscious mind that, hey, this is what I value. So I'm just going to subject myself to these things all the time and and I'll see what happens. That that was my thought at the time. I was like, I want to see what happens if I just learn from my mentors. I start doing these new routines, and I start breaking up these patterns continuously. Let's just see in a week, two weeks, a month, two months, what happens? Because what do I have to lose? I've been suffering from anxiety for decades. I've been dependent on all these things for decades. I was, I became obsessed about self-development. But it all starts with a mindset shift that in the unknown, that's where you're going to learn and gain the tools necessary for that development. And then I began to reduce my complaints and my concerns that I was usually expressing to other people and I started to not say anything rather than complain. So when I was around Maggie and I felt distress about going to the symphony that I might have anxiety, I started to not say that because it made me feel more weak when I would say things like that. And so I stopped saying that. And I decided to take on this dragon internally rather than to look for comfort in my family and my partner. And that was my routine. I would usually tell other people my struggles, hoping, hoping they would pat me on the back. Now, it's so interesting because in Harry Potter, in The Order of the Phoenix, he does this very thing and it resonated with me and my journey. At one point, if you don't know the story, a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher comes into Hogwarts, Dolores Umbridge, who works for the Ministry of Magic. She is a very tyrannical figure and she wants nothing to do with Voldemort. She believes that Voldemort doesn't exist and is enforcing that onto people. She wants to make the students of Hogwarts weaker because the Ministry of Magic believes that the students could overthrow the ministry if they were really hardening themselves and learning these strong defensive spells. So Dolores comes in. She starts to tyrannize over the students by making them weaker she says we're not going to learn these spells you're going to read books instead and the students are outraged especially harry because harry potter saw voldemort come back and he's telling dolores you're lying to everybody i saw voldemort he's back we need to harden ourselves and learn these powerful spells. And then Dolores sends him to detention. And in detention, Harry has to write out lines saying, I shall not tell lies. But when he's writing out these lines, they are scraping into the back of his hand like like a razor blade. Dolores Umbridge is torturing Harry. And Harry, he can't believe it. He can't believe that he's going to this woman's office and he's physically being tortured by her. And Harry knows he is right. And so, Harry at one point is around Ron and Hermione they tell Harry, or they ask Harry, what's on the back of your hand? Why is it all red? And Harry doesn't tell them what is happening behind the scenes. And this is what resonates with me and my past, why I didn't tell my family or my partner about my struggles is because I felt like it was my burden. But also, this is what Harry says in the book. He says that he doesn't tell Ron and Hermione what's happening is because he doesn't want to see the look on their face when he tells them. Because it'll make things more difficult for him when he has to go back there and face Dolores again. And he believes that by battling this out internally, That is what is at the top. He's willing to sacrifice his openness to his friends to work on this internal struggle and battle between him and Dolores. This is Harry's burden to bear. This is his cross to carry up the mountain. It's a battle within himself. He was being tortured for speaking the truth. The truth is cemented in Harry. He knows the truth. He saw it with his own eyes. He saw Voldemort come back. He spoke out against Umbridge because of the lies and the delusion of her in the ministry. Harry was facing a punishment he rightfully knows is undeserving, but he doesn't run or hide from it. And he doesn't want Dolores to have the satisfaction of seeing Harry suffer. And so Harry thinks that by telling Ron and Hermione and seeing the concern in their eyes and, 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 the possibility of them comforting him will only make Harry weaker and thus giving umbrage the more upper hand. And so for me in my recovery, I remember looking back that I was looking at my anxiety as this internal battle between me and the anxiety. It's one thing to not tell anybody and then continue to cope, but that's, that wasn't what I was doing. I was taking on the burden of my anxiety. I was taking on the responsibility that it's my my battle and I am willing to put in the discipline and the effort necessary to overcome this because at that point, I was tired of living in pain. I was tired of suffering. And so Harry Potter, he shows up every night for detention he could have easily went to he could have went to Dumbledore he could have went to Professor McGonagall he could have cried and complained to those people he could have cried and complained to Hermione and Ron he could have told anybody but he doesn't he shows up there because he knows that the higher goal of society, Hogwarts in this case, is what's of most important. But the meaning in your life, it won't be present until you confront the smaller ba- the smaller battles in your life. The fears that lurk around the corners of your unconscious mind. So, I love... Harry Potter, I those books are absolutely astonishing and that particular scene really spoke with me because it connected with what I was battling when I took on the responsibility of the anxiety I was currently facing. I knew things weren't going to get better if I continued to cope and reassurance seeking was one of those habits that I used to do. And I, and I knew that, okay, this hasn't been working for me. I was very cognizant and aware that this habit wasn't working for me. And so I said, I want to do the opposite. I want to face my challenges head on, Voluntarily. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Make sure you go over to the YouTube channel. I post videos weekly about anxiety, anxiety recovery. And this week, I put out a video on those unknown body pains, body zaps, a really powerful video that you need to check out, talking about the symptoms of anxiety. Now, Before I go, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and you leave your comments there and join that community of people who are tired of coping and want to overcome anxiety naturally. Do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at... UnplugAnxiety.com The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.